Dr. Mixram Page. Today we'll be discussing the paper entitled Reproductive Outcomes Following Use of Barb Suture During Laparoscopic Myomectomy. And we're lucky to have with us today first author, Dr. Kristen Pepin, coming from the Brigham Women's and Children's Hospital in Boston, Massachusetts. In this retrospective cohort study and follow-up survey of patients who underwent a laparoscopic myomectomy with use of barb suture, a total of 101 patients attempted to conceive following myomectomy with a 71% success rate at at least one conception. How's it going? It's going well. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. So let's just jump right into it. What was your motivation for performing this study? The motivation behind this study is that in recent years, the use of barb suture during myomectomies has really exploded. It's become very, very common. Um, And what's interesting is that, you know, a major motivation for women to have a laparoscopic or for that matter, abdominal myomectomy, as opposed to another procedure such as a hysterectomy, is because they want to retain the ability to have children. Um, And so we really felt that it was an important question to understand, does the change from using a smooth suture to a barbed suture uh, affect future pregnancies at all? In your clinical practice, uh, what percentage of laparoscopic myomectomies are you guys utilizing the barb suture, and which barb suture are you utilizing the most common? In terms of our myomectomies, I would say 100% we use uh, barb sutures, um, both for laparoscopic and um, for the cases where we do an abdominal procedure as well, we also do uh, utilize barb sutures in those procedures. Um, in terms of kind of our technique, uh, we try as much as possible to make the laparoscopic surgery the exact same surgery that you would do open. Um, so in general, we do a three-layer closure. Of course, it depends exactly on the position of the fibroid and how big it is, how many layers of closure um, you need. We do generally also do a baseball stitch in order um, to close the serosa um, because that is commonly done for abdominal procedures. We've just really uh, translated that into a laparoscopic procedure. Um, Without trying to advertise any one particular barb suture over the other, um, you know, I would just say we use a, a PDO suture It's uh, unidirectional, has a helical shape to it in terms of the barbs, um, and it dissolves in about 120 to 180 days. Like pretty comparable, actually, I would say, um, to the other barb sutures that are out on the market. Well, I wanted to get get to uh, the meat of your study, which was table two. It looks like you began to discuss the pregnancy outcomes, Mm -hmm. uh, patients following myomectomy, and then kind of looked at patients who conceived versus those who didn't, looking for different clinical factors uh, for those who had conceived. So could you tell me a little bit about that? Sure. So um, when we looked at women who were and were not able to conceive, it actually, um, to me, was very encouraging because about even over 70% of women who wanted to get pregnant after surgery were actually able to. The real classic risk factor for infertility was in play here. So Women who were older um, were less likely to get pregnant. So the mean age of those women who didn't get pregnant was about 37 versus those who did get pregnant um, was uh, around 34. Um, And then we also looked at um, women who um, 
had different lengths of follow-up time. And I think not surprising in this type of study, this type of study design, um, women who had longer to get pregnant, they had a longer follow-up time, um, were more likely to report a pregnancy. Um, so there was a shorter follow-up time for those who didn't achieve a pregnancy. So, you know, the chances are, you know, perhaps some of those women will go on um, to get pregnant in the future. Um, and then we did also see that there was a difference in terms of the number of fibroids that patients had. Um, and to me, this didn't exactly make a lot of sense. You know, you know, perhaps if you had a much larger fibroid burden, um, it would make sense if you had a more extensive surgery. Um, but when we looked at some other markers of fibroid burden, like the weight of the fibroids that were removed, there wasn't a difference. And ultimately, when we went through and we controlled for age, actually, the number of fibroids didn't make a difference. So um, older women just seem to have had more fibroids removed. So what was the mean interval time between surgery and conception amongst the patients who had a laparoscopic myomectomy? What are your typical recommendations for patients after surgery? Sure. So um, in terms of our patient population, we had quite a range in terms of um, when women had their first postoperative pregnancy. So the first one was reported at two months after surgery, um, and the longest time to first post-op pregnancy was 72 months. But the average was 18 months. Um, what we uh, normally advise and counsel our patients is to wait at least three months um, before you try to conceive. So that person that got pregnant two months afterwards um, would have been outside of that recommendation. Um, we don't have really good data about this recommendation. Um, it's based mostly about the time it takes for the sutures to absorb um, with hopes that at about three to four months out from surgery, most of your healing of um, those incisions are done. So by the time the uterus starts to stretch with a growing pregnancy, um, your sutures are well healed. Um, but certainly this can be a very hot topic for patients, especially those who have been struggling with infertility for a period of time before they choose to have a myomectomy. Kind of along the same topic, um, you know, following a myomectomy, specifically laparoscopic, which is a minimally invasive surgery, mm -hmm. um, what do you counsel patients on in terms of the method of delivery? Are you recommending an option for a trial or vaginal delivery in any cases or for just a serin section given kind of the myomectomy itself compromising the myometrium? Um, what are some of your thoughts regarding that topic? Yeah, so this is another pretty controversial um, topic, I'd have to say. Um, what we normally do in our practice because we see generally just gynecology surgery patients, we don't practice obstetrics in our office. So we normally provide a surgical report to the patient that she can keep um, and bring to her obstetrician in future pregnancies. And if the obstetrician decides that they are comfortable um, having the patient trial a vaginal delivery, then um, that's certainly their prerogative. So we don't say, you know, 100%, yes, you can or no, you cannot. Um, but we, of course, tell most of our patients that we anticipate that they're going to be told that they need a C-section. I see in table three that uh, about 90% of patients went on to have a cesarean section. If they um, had a live birth, about 10% of them had a vaginal delivery. And actually, I think to me, that was a little bit surprising. 
I thought the percentage of C-sections would be even higher than 90%. It's so interesting. Yeah, I it's was, interesting. Yeah, because you do a minimally invasive procedure, um, but like they didn't do an open procedure for the C-section. Right, exactly. Exactly. And, you know, it's, it's just, it's difficult because it's a rare, um, having uterine rupture is a rare outcome. And certainly um, we were not in this study powered to look for an outcome of um, uterine rupture. We weren't looking necessarily at patients having vaginal deliveries. We're just looking at, you know, overall outcomes as the way patients are managed by whoever their obstetrician is. Um, so I think this continues to be a challenging question um, and one that will probably be hard to answer um, with studies done in the United States where, you know, ACOG and SMFM recommend that um, patients have a C-section for delivery between 37 and 38 weeks. Well, thank you so much for um, discussing your paper with us. Uh, this is a very commonly performed procedure. So learning the results of your survey on patients who had myomectomy was very enlightening. And this was a pleasure to talk to you. All right. Thank you so much for having me. And everybody stay safe out there. Well, thank you all for tuning in to Mix Front Page. Uh, we look forward to seeing you at the next podcast. Have a great day.